Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is time for another wonderful episode of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast on the Jack Wagon Network. A uh, lot of exciting stuff to talk to you about this week. Um, personal life achievement. I am the first of these three jackasses uh, to make, uh, or excuse me, I guess break 100. Um, just like all my test scores in high school, less than subpar. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we have a lot to talk about from NASCAR drama uh, and our college football uh, preview continues this week with the ACC. Uh, so lots and lots to talk about. Uh, we're just going to get right into it. We're, we're going to throw it over to our main man, uh, Slate Storm, who's finally back with us. He finally got his, his shit together, got his schedule figured out, and uh, he's, he's here to join us. Yeah, so first off, congrats, George. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, I really appreciate that. Because you didn't text time, me the other day. Next time you uh, you have that happen, you probably video it. Probably get yeah. a lot of views on YouTube. Yeah. It would be nice yeah. for us. But He so forgot we'll the one in yourselves. front of the... 88 <laughs> yeah. and 18 or whatever the hell he was at yeah no like, no so I scored, so I scored a 92 at least that's yeah. what the car world told me no so we're, <laughs> we're already talking about it so what happens is i got to, to 18 and the way i was keeping track of my scorecard uh i can pull it up there um no no we saw it yeah yeah, yeah. so well the viewers want to see it but right. anyway so the what happened was is on every hole i'd write okay i got a i got a seven so on a par four i would write plus three below that and then below that, I'd be like, okay, so so far I'm at like plus six, whatever. Yeah. Well, going in the 18, I was like just keeping track of the back nine up to then. So I added up, I was at plus, I was at plus seven. And so in my head, I just went, oh, 36 plus seven is like whatever number that is. I did it's a lot of math playing Uno earlier and it hurt. Um, <laughs> but so at that point, I was at 91. Because like that's what my I would have finished plus seven, therefore I would have shot a ninety-one. Well, I didn't think about the fact that I had to do the last hole. So <laughs> if I would have parred, I would have scored a ninety-one, but I got a bogey, so I got a ninety-two. Either way, I'm not, I'm very happy. I, I literally Nick was the first person I called. I was driving the cart still. My fucking hand was shaking. He was like, Nick, I had to call somebody because nobody's gonna believe this. I was like, I just broke a hundred. And he's like, Oh, and I was like, the best part is I lost one ball. The one fucking ball I lost was complete bullshit, too. So it happened on hole 10. I get down to the green and I, I will, I will also go ahead and say this. I took only two mulligans the entire day. Uh, I was very, so proud in all reality, 94, but either way, broke yeah, yeah. Either way, even you count all my mulligans. I still was broke it, 100. was it one on the front, one on the back or was it a rough That's, morning start and you used two in no. the first six holes? <laughs> no. So the one, the one was on the fourth hole and I should, this is how I, I, I knew like it was going to be a, like a weird, but good day. So I, I tee off and I, I got the new driver two weeks ago. And so this is the first time I've actually played with it, not been to the driving range. And so I tee off and I skull the shit out of it, but it goes like 90 degrees to my right. It hits a tree <laughs> and literally rolls back up the, the tee box to me. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So I tee it up and I hit it again. And it teed it up yeah. <laughs> I fucking, from that tee box, the women's tee box. Yeah, I teed it up there. So <laughs> I hit it, but it starts slicing to the right. I'm like, fuck. It hits a tree, and I like I don't see it land. I don't see it drop anything. So I think it just hit a tree and went further into the woods. So I take a mulligan. I tee off again. I pulled out the other driver, and I top the shit out of it, but I can at least find it, and it goes up to the left. So I drive up to the ball. And there's another ball sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this wasn't here. 
I pick it. It was the fucking first ball I hit that hit the fucking trees, and it just bounced all the way across the fucking fairway and landed. Oh, I was like, oh, okay. God. So I was like, I didn't lose the ball. I was happy because I only had four balls in my bag. I didn't realize how many <laughs> balls I lost the last time I was out. And I was like, that's my, I, Well, my original plan was I'm going to play nine. I thought I had more than that. And I was like, I'm going to play nine. I get there, and the, the, um, the guy at the front desk is like, because I told him, I was like, I'm only going to pay for nine now. But he's like, I was like, I might end up playing 18. I'll come back. And he goes, well, we're only charging for nine right now, regardless, just because there's weather coming in. He's like, you know, we don't want to issue rain checks. I was like, oh, fair enough. So I hit it. I was like, well, I don't need to buy balls. And I know I definitely have enough for nine. I got to the fucking first tee, opened up my bag, and there's four balls in there. I went, oh, this is, well, I guess I'm playing until I run out of balls. But so, yeah, that was my first mulligan. And then the second mulligan, it was on 10. And I was coming up to the green and I chipped and I was like, I just had to hit it straight. I was like 30 yards off the green. I fucking shanked this bitch like 50 yards right. And I went, what the fuck? But like, there wasn't like any like areas that should have gotten lost in. Like there was a tree, but like I could see underneath the tree and the next tee box is over there. So I was like, I, I, it's fine. So I dropped the ball and I chipped again and I did the same fucking thing, but not quite as far to the right. So I go up and I find that ball. Is there, well, where's my other ball? And the thing just fucking disappeared. I was so pissed. I was like, this is the ball I lose. And at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to unravel now and completely fall apart. And somehow I shot bogey golf on the back nine. So, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what was more impressive, breaking 100 or only losing one ball because. I, I think going into it with four balls and, and thinking that that would be okay is, is yeah. the uh, largest accomplishment. I know. Yeah. But, so I, I learned two things. One, I guess just keep four balls in my golf bag at all time. And two is just play golf by myself from now on. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, it was 17 and I drove the green and that's, that's a whole, I ended up birdieing. I was like, holy shit. So it didn't quite land on the green. It was like maybe five yards short, but like 10 yards to the right. But I mean, it had the distance to get to the green. There you but, go. But my, my biggest thing is, like, I have – the hardest thing for me is always chipping. Like, whenever I chip, like I just said, like, on 10, I chipped, and I I always shank it. I send it a mile past the hole, whatever it may be. I did, like, 10 bump and runs on, on Monday. And, like, that was my saving grace was doing that because I was like, holy shit. But – and I just got to work on my chipping and putting, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll break 90. Who knows? We'll see. That's awesome. Oh. Okay. Cut down to 15 free putts around and yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> you know, and and I only I, I only only I only almost killed one one person. Oh, that's cool. oh, that's an accomplishment. That's a, yeah, that's a record, I think. Almost yeah. <laughs> attempt is a lot different than actual. Yeah. yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So the the only depleting part will be is if you're able to beat that score next time, but you lose like four <laughs> balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this past weekend, we had the 3M Open. Uh, Tony Finau won at 17 under. I mean, I did not see him winning by that, that stroke lead there, um, especially going into the weekend. He was four under, 67, and he ended up winning by three strokes. Mm-hmm. He erased a five-stroke deficit through uh, 11 holes, and... Uh, it was just really amazing to see that comeback. Um, we had talked two weeks ago um, when we were talking about golf and how Justin Thomas' comeback was was just amazing and that he had had help from, remind me, what's the dude's name? That, Mito, Mito Pereira. Yeah, yeah Mito Pereira. Yeah, so he had had Mito who helped because he just couldn't get his putts to drop and then just 
destroyed himself on the 18th. Um, kind of same scenario, just not happened on didn't happen on the 18th here. Uh, Scott Piercy, he tumbled out of the lead on Sunday. <laughs> he he scored a 76, and he tied for fourth. He bogeyed four of six before, um, before plus three on the 14th hole. That was uh, it, watching him on the 14th was, was tough. It, it looked like me out there playing golf on a normal day because <laughs> I think he, he hit it out of bounds to the right, took a drop, freaking was like, fuck it, I'm going for the green, hit it into the water, had to take another drop, and then just like completely shanked it over the green. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, just called the fuck down. Yeah, I was like, holy ball. shit. I, I guarantee his caddy standing behind the whole time, too, going, what the fuck? Like, you're costing me a bunch of money. Like, I don't get paid enough right. as it is. Yeah, right. Uh, like, that's not what I told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, don't fucking listen to me. Three yeah. fucking shots in a row. What are we doing here? Well, that's like, there's this guy on TikTok. He's like, you know, if like shitty golfers at caddies. And the caddy's like, okay. Uh, he's like, you know, let, let's just hit it. Hit a nice bump and run here. You know, we'll get it within like five feet. Maybe two putt it. And, you know, we take a bogey. We go to the next hole. He goes like, okay, better idea. What if I flop shot it like Cam Smith <laughs> within like three inches of the hole at put it for birdie? The guy's like, can you hit a flop shot? The guy goes, no. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying that for? He goes, well, maybe I can. He's like, I just want to get hot you near the back nine. The guy's like, shut the fuck up. Like, that, I get it. That's what his guy is sitting there going like, okay, yeah, fuck it. I'm, I'm here for no for reason. It. Yeah. Yep. Um, so this past weekend was just crazy. Um, what, are, what were your guys' thoughts on, on the weekend and just Tony Fennell's? You know, it's um amazing tournament. Uh, we'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, so um, it was great to see him finally get back in the win column. I believe it's his third tour, in, tour win now. Um, he's been having a good year. We have talked about him a little bit previously. Uh, there's times where he gets hot, especially when his putter gets hot, you know, where he finds himself up at the top of the leaderboard. I wouldn't Obviously, know what that's like. It, it happens. <laughs> not me neither. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, obviously not as many big names in the tournament this past weekend. So it was definitely his opportunity to shine and he took full advantage of it. Um, and it's worth mentioning that after one day, he is currently sitting in first in this week's tournament or weekend's tournament. So um, definitely getting hot. Uh, I'm not sure where he's at as far as like FedEx cup points or anything like that. But nonetheless, like 11th or 17th, uh, 17th. I think he went from okay. 34th to 17th. So, yeah, he's up there. So, definitely a good time to be getting hot as we get into the playoffs. Um, another thing I just wanted to mention, uh, Sung J.M., 20 years old. I'm trying to find him. But, oh. Sorry, <laughs> so, Sung J.M. Yeah, 20 years old. He was right there behind him. Um, I think he's got a very promising uh, future on the tour, you know, 20 years old, and he's been competing really the last couple weeks. So, uh, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. That was good to see um, those two guys kind of at the top there in a tournament that with the way they've been playing, they really should, should have been at the top of. Um, so hopefully we'll see that carry on, you know, as we get into playoffs or other tournaments or whatever, how many weeks do we have before playoffs start? I think we mentioned it. Before. There's one more tournament and then the playoffs. Start. Okay. I said, I knew it was close, but. I, and I, I just want to take a sidebar real quick. I don't want to interrupt you again, no, uh, but Asians and little kids are two things you'd love to touch on. Uh, and on another note, uh, Fina is actually up to six in the FedEx Cup standings. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So. Maybe I was thinking of World. Good for him. <clears throat> yeah, that, okay, uh, I so, guess uh, yeah, that's probably the world rankings. He's up to 17. So, okay, where's that comment? Uh, <laughs> the Asian little kids. 
Um, all right, so <laughs> do you have any more thoughts on golf last week? No. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I shared most of my uh, my thoughts there. Um, but, I mean, it, it's good for Fina to get another win. I mean, this is the first win where his whole family was there, so that was pretty cool to see. Uh, I know he's really loved by, you know, a lot of the tour players. Um, and he has been since he really came onto the scene a couple years ago. Um, but I guess, God damn, fucking Waynesboro. Um, that must sound a whole lot louder to you than it does to me because every time something passes, you, it's it's not as bad as last week. Like last week, it sounded like the dude like opened your door and like started his truck right next <laughs> yeah. to you. Um, yeah, that's Waynesboro for you. But uh, no, so yeah, that was that was super cool to see, and you know the the congratulations he got from everybody, and he's getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, he's, he's won last week. He's leading right now. I don't know if he's playing next week or not. Um, but he, and then, you know, once FedEx Cup playoffs start, he won the first round of the playoffs last year. Uh, so it's a tournament that he knows he can do well at. Uh, hopefully he can just translate that into a better finish going forward this year in the playoffs. Uh, but we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I did not know that that was the first time that his family got to see. That's crazy that we got to see that twice now. Um, who was it? Uh, Cameron Young, right? No, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith. At the player? Uh, w- when he had won his family, that was the yeah. first time that they were allowed into the country from Australia yeah. uh, since COVID started. Um, moving into our next Build topic. that ball. Oh, I'm sorry. Different. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we had uh, some racing at Pocono this past weekend. Me and Tater were watching. So I heard. Uh, <laughs> So I, I think that the first thing to talk about would be that in practice on Saturday, or not practice, sorry, qualifying on Saturday, Kurt Busch actually made the uh, the final round of qualifying before dumping the rear end of his car into the exit of turn three. It was pretty cool to see because I was sitting between, um, between the checker or yeah, between the front stretch and the uh, turn three. So got to see that he got out and. Got into the truck. Wouldn't even thought that he had the concussion. He didn't get in the ambulance. And then um, he's out. Ty Gibbs is in. What were you guys' thoughts on Ty Gibbs first? Um, starting the uh, Cup Series. Um, I mean, Nick's got to talk about this more. I mean, it's all but sealed that Kyle Busch is leaving next year, and the only viable replacement for him is is Ty Gibbs. Um, we've seen how good he is in Xfinity. And, you know, last year he only had limited starts. I think he won half of his starts. Uh, and this year, I want to say he has three wins, I mean, probably even more than that in Xfinity. Um, but he's shown that he, he's a great talent in the Xfinity series. And so, I mean, there's been a lot of drivers where we've seen, you know, dominate the Xfinity. They, they come to cup and they're just not the same. Cole Custer comes to mind. I think he had like nine wins um, and then came to cup and he only has one win to his name so far. Um, so a lot of people were, were wondering if, you know, is, is the talent going to translate or not? Um, finished 15th in the race, gets bumped up to, to 13th with the disqualification. I thought he ran a really good race all day. Uh, he, you know, he wasn't getting in trouble. Uh, you know, he kept his nose clean. I think it was more so, hey, let's just, let's just find my groove here. Let's not tear up a race car and, you know, let's, let's just, you know, have a solid day. And that's, that's exactly what he did. Now this week, um, I'm not going to say he's going to be more risky with his driving, uh, but you know, he'll probably be a, a little bit more comfortable will have more seat time in the car last week. He literally got thrown in with no practice time at all. Um, and so to see him adapt that well was, was cool to see. 
he had never sat in the simulator for a cup car. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. week when he got into that car was the first time he had ever seen yeah. cup time. Yeah, and, and um, so I think that just speaks to the, you know, the, the talent that this kid has. Um, and so I 100% see him in the Cup Series next year. Um, I, I think Bush, and there's been a couple rumors about this. I don't know how true it is, but I, in my mind, I see Bush going to Stuart Haas and running the 41 car. Um, but, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I mean, for his first start, I thought it was, it was really cool to see him run as well as he did. And, um, you know, I think this week, going to a road course, especially where anything can happen, he's absolutely a threat. Wait, is Custer's contract up? I believe so. I know Eric Almirola, this is his last year, but I didn't know that yeah. Custer also. Well, um, so yeah, it's, it's Almirola's last year, but there's a lot of talk about... Yeah, no, no, no I understand you. Cutting, the yeah. talk that you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just assumed that if he went there, he'd be in the 10, not the 41, so that's why I was... Um, I mean, I, I see him going there, whether it's it's in the 10 or the 41. It's just, I've heard on Twitter, there's been a lot of rumors of him taking over the 41. Whether that be Custer moves to the 10 or, or, or I don't know, but um, that's just what I've seen. Just thought Nick, I'd throw that tidbit out there. Nick, we will get you to the Ty Gibbs talk in just a second. I just want to kind of like list all of our points here that we want to hit, and then I'll let you guys both go into them. Um, so Hamley crosses the line first. Then Kurt, or Kyle Bush, then Chase Elliott. About two hours after the race, it's announced that Chase Elliott is your winner. Um, I don't think a lot of people knew this or even thought about it, but up until this weekend, the top five cars and one random car selected at every track are fully torn down at the track within that two-hour period. Um, they do a quick check of everything that they would do back in um, North Carolina. And so there they found these uh, pieces of like tape or vinyl on both the 11 and the 18. They ruled a DQs for both of them. Big, big um, loss for Kyle Busch. I think of the two, I think it hurts him the most because he needs all eyes on him for good news right now. And even though he can't help that someone put this on his car or, or somewhere they were trying to, kind of mess with the rules, whatever, but it just doesn't look good for him. Um, McDowell was also dinged. He was fined after a great sixth-place finish. I think he was fined like $100,000. He was docked 110 points. If there was ever someone that was already going to have a hard shot at making the playoffs and was actually doing pretty decent this season with his like middle-of-the-pack uh, places, this dude just got a punch to the gut. Um, Hamlin was playing with Ross Chastain with, like, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 laps left. Um, He ran him up into the gravel coming out of turn one. It's the best way to kind of get that little bit of payback without counting as payback because he didn't put him in the wall. He just ran him up to where he was in no man's land, basically. There was no chance of him getting that back. He got up there, and then he ends up spinning the car out. Um, After the race, he said that he he knew it was coming. Uh, There's nothing he could do there. Uh, I think he could have chose the inside line there, but other than that, um, Chase Elliott is on a roll right now. He won this past weekend after the two DQs. That is, what would that be, three wins in six weeks, and he's been in the top two in the last five races. Uh, What are your guys' thoughts on this jam-packed weekend of – of, of what happened just at Pocono and just overall with, with 
how NASCAR is going to look. I mean, it's already been ruled that Kurt Busch is out this weekend in Indy, and Ty Gibbs will sit in the car, like George had said. Nick, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts on Pocono? Uh, yeah, so first thing, just to touch on real quick, Ty Gibbs. Um, I think he's got a problem. Stop touching people, bro. God damn. No. Yeah, he's pretty young. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's why I said, said kids and Asians. Kids and Asians. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's got a great test this week with the road course coming up. Um, I think it's perfect timing, honestly. You know, obviously you don't hope that anybody gets a concussion. I mean, maybe if you do, it's probably one of the Bush brothers, but nonetheless. Um <laughs> You know, it's perfect right, timing dick. to see him. In an, I said, if you do. I, I didn't say me personally. I said, if you do. Um, my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you, you know, get to yourself. see him in yeah, Fair. Get to see him um, on a road course. Obviously, now he has to practice, which I think is good. I think if they would have sent him on the road course without ever stepping foot in the car, it might have been a little different. But now he knows how the car feels. Um, obviously, it'll be set up a little different. But, but nonetheless, um, as far as Hamlin and Chastain, yeah, he had it coming. Yeah, he probably should have taken the inside line. Maybe he figured it was going to happen one way or another, and taking the top line was the easy way out for him. I whatever. Um, I think that this kind of should settle the score. You know, you got somebody racing for the lead, and next thing you know, he's out. I think it kind of humbled him a little bit, and he's like, okay, things. I, you're still going to see some shit out of him. He races. I, I like the way that he races, but I like. I, I think he's going to be a bit more. I'm not sure what word I'm looking for here that would describe it, but he could be a little bit more gentle when he races. More calculated, I think. A little more calculated about who he does it when he does it, um, maybe, or he just continues to do it and whatever. <clears throat> as far as the DQs go, uh, if I read this correctly, this was the first time that NASCAR has stripped a driver of a win due to a post-race disqualification in 62 years. Yes, um, and both of the top two drivers uh, belong to Joe Gibbs Racing which obviously, you know, is going to raise some concerns. Something was they going were cheaters. on there. Yeah. Um, it, it was, we'll touch on it here in a little bit, or touch on it a little more. Shut up, George. Uh, but Find it was a, a weird word. It was a weird. Uh, we will we'll handle up on it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to follow yeah. up on it. Stop touching. I'll touch up God. on whatever I want to touch up on, all right? I mean, that's not legal. Whatever. <laughs> well, see, I have respect, though. Okay. It's, it's got to be legal. Why? <laughs> but weird weekend in John. <laughs> yeah yin yang twins boy yes sir but uh like i said we'll talk about it here in a little bit we need a police siren okay that's so <laughs> so first off nick i do not think that this is the last time no. that hamlin's gonna put chastain in the wall he got put in the wall four times this season no i was saying that no. i I think I understand after as, that what you meant, yeah, like when you not Hamlin, it, but you're Hamlin's original. gonna do what Hamlin does. Yeah. That's whatever. Yeah. I was no, talking more Chastain. Yeah, I, I don't see Chastain changing anything about him. Um, Justin Marks is but, telling him the complete opposite. Yeah, well, like here's my so both of the incidents between Chastain and Hamlin, the first one was absolutely Chastain's fault. He straight yeah. up just drove in the back. Um, the one at Atlanta was just just a, a dumb mistake by Chastain. You go into the, like, I understand you get tight and it's, I think it was like 10 laps to go at that point. He didn't want to lift and get past. I understand that. But at the same time, if you don't lift, you're going to wreck your car. Like that was just a boneheaded move by him. And he the, had the, the fastest car on the yeah. track. The, the, yeah. He was literally damaged to shit and he was mm-hmm. still in, in the top five. Um, my, my thing with the Pocono and it was, everybody's like, oh, he, he retaliated. It's no, he didn't. All he did is, He's like, okay, if this is how people are going to race me, 
if, if they're going to, you know, constantly try to, you know, shove me up the track and whatever it may be, I'm just going to give it back. They went in the to turn one and Hamlin started drifting up the track. He didn't turn the wheel right. He didn't pit maneuver him. He didn't do anything. He just said what he did was he put he his car in a turn position. left. Yeah. What he did is he put his car in a position and he said, okay, you're here. And there's, there's one of two things that are going to happen. One, you're just going to stay there and you're going to hit the wall or two, you're going to back out and get behind me. But I'm leaving it up to you, whether we have a wreck or not. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not my decision right yeah. now. It's, it's up to you. And Chastain would chest or Chastain did what Chastain always does. And he, he st- stood his ground and I respect that, but yeah. he ended up paying the price. What I'm more pissed off about is the fact that fucking Kevin Harvey got taken out sitting in fourth fucking place. <laughs> that was the worst part. I was so pissed. I was like, I was like, I, I uh, fine. That was cool to see. Was so defeated. Oh my god, oh, I was so pissed off. Uh, but yeah, that's like, what in, I meant. Like, in I the bush think, light apple. Yeah, I think but, that Chastain is just gonna have that in the back. That, of his yeah, that's just like, yeah, well, yeah. And listen, he might start racing Denny with more respect, and that's what Denny wants. Yeah. But it's this is the first time that we've seen in a long time, at least I, I would say, we've seen a driver say, "I'm not putting up with it anymore. I'm not putting up yeah. with it anymore." And then finally he gets put in a position where it's like, okay, are, are you going to put up with it? Or are you going to shut up? And Hamlin's yeah. like, I'm not putting up with it. And he's, yeah. he stuck his nose there and he said, listen, you're going to have an accident or you're not. And that was really cool to see. Um, just for once, somebody kind of like, I'm, I'm not a, a Hamlin fan by any means, uh, but it was, it was just cool to see somebody finally say something and then back it up with their actions on the track. And now if, if I'm the rest of the garage, I'm looking at him going, fuck i don't want to be on his bad side is yeah. like this is just a race at pocono with two guys i've already locked into the playoffs like if <laughs> if you think about like if that would have been kevin harvick who's on his bad side somebody that's trying to race again into the playoffs and hamlin did that to him like that that ruins yeah. your whole season um but i mean i i feel like that's what a lot of these drivers need to do especially the older guys because I, I feel like that's more so who it is these younger guys are coming in and just oh i'm good you know i i don't need i don't need any mentoring i don't I'm going to race how I race. And the old guys are like, listen, like, that's fine. But like, you still need to understand that we're good and we deserve some respect. As long as we're still on the track, you're going to drive how we're driving. Or... Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to drive through me going to turn one on lap 50 at fucking gateway. Like that's just yeah. unnecessary. Um, and so, I mean, I think we're getting to the point where these guys are just going to start pushing back. And, you know, I, I hope it starts leading to more, to more rivalries. Like I said, this is it's the best thing that could happen in NASCAR was, was a rivalry. And yeah. we're finally getting that, and it, it's cool to see how it, how it's playing out now. It's it's a storyline. It keeps people interested. It wants to you know bring people in. Oh hey, you know there's guys over here you know wrecking each other basically. Let, let's go watch a NASCAR race. Um, the, that, the worst part is that I feel like the rivalries are somehow always centered around Denny Hamlin. Yeah, oh, I, I'm 100. Had Denny agree. Hamlin Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin Logano. Now Denny Hamlin Chase. Uh, yeah. oh, it's like Hannah sat team. down and watched the last ten laps with me, and I was like. The only reason I was like kind of happy Denny Hamlin was winning is because Slade's dumbass put a hundred dollars on him to win, and he would have won nine hundred dollars. So I was like, "Well, we need to do it for the brands." And so I'm sitting there going, "All right, I guess I'm kind of cheering for Denny Hamlin, especially once he started pulling away from Kyle Busch." I was like, "Well, if I have to pick, I'm gonna pick the guy that's gonna win my friend nine hundred dollars." Yeah, but yeah. I was like, "All right, well, it's over." And I was like, uh, "The the fans started booing at, at when he was on the start finish line," and and I was like, "Oh my god, why is he getting booed?" I was like, "Cause he's." 
a dick basically like uh, <laughs> people don't like him and like a, a lot of people don't so that's just where, where it's at right now um, let's not forget so just to tell the people at home so slade not only cashed out the 900 dollars he won from benny Hanna, no no you, mi- the yeah, you missed this conversation. the conversation yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry 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 yeah, no man, the craziest part of the story is that me and the other guy that put money on denny hamlin we originally tried to place the bet on kyle bush which would have netted us like 1600 oh, but shit. it wouldn't it didn't go through oh man. and then we put it on hamlet and it went through and he ends up winning jeez that was and fate he, that was fate telling you right yeah, right that's exactly hamlet. what we said as soon as it didn't go through twice i tried twice as soon as it didn't go through twice i'm like nope nope that's not happening yeah, you guys, you guys back out. <laughs> and so that's then funny. uh went with hamlin I had already before the race put money on Elliot. So uh, FanDuel is the one that I had Elliot through, mm-hmm. and they only count the driver that passed the line first. But yeah, I mean, wow. it's, it, it's, it so sucks that they didn't give you the DQ yeah, money, yeah. but at the, at the end of the day, yeah, hey, it's whoever's you still won under fucking dollars. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. But as, and, as far as, so sorry, just while we're talking about the, the DQ stuff, um, Listen, do I think it's stupid that they were disqualified over a piece of fucking tape? Yes, I do think it's a little stupid. But at the same time, NASCAR has been very, especially with, with this new generation car, we are very black and white with the rules. This is what you're allowed to do. If you get this part from another manufacturer, you are not allowed to touch it. This, this is what you get. This is what Richard Childress gets. This is what Sword Haas gets. You cannot touch these pieces. And, and the, the place they had the, the tape over, you know, was was a, a piece they weren't supposed to touch. And I get a lot of people arguing, well, you know, these cars go out there and they, they get beat half the shit half the time. You know, they get taped over on all other fenders. Like, why doesn't that matter? It's like, okay, there's something between trying to finish the damn race and, and just flat out trying to gain an advantage. Was yeah. it that much of an advantage? I don't know. I don't, I don't, well, I, here's I didn't, the thing. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be some sort of an advantage because they put it on the fucking car before they wrapped it. Yeah, it was only found because on the five cars, the top five, they pull the wrap up off the aluminum part or off the metal part of the car. Yeah, and that's when they saw it. They would not yeah. have seen it. And from what I read, it's they were saying that it, it could pose uh, some sort of aerodynamical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm just saying at the at the end of the day, yeah, I get it though. Yeah, they made the car wider is what they said. Yeah, even if it was by thousandths of a. Of, yeah, that, uh, that, that's, or something like that. that's what yeah, you yeah. need nowadays right and, right right and, and right. like it, i think back to i think it was 2019 with with harvick at uh vegas the window they, yeah they took that support out of the window and it just dimpled in but it helped the air suck down the back that uh-huh. much more like it listen it's, if you ain't cheating you ain't trying and i respect that i actually this close to the playoff yeah and i i'm not gonna bash anybody but at the same time nascar has, has made it very clear listen these are the rules these are black and white and these are the repercussions. And uh, Mike Joy was on Dale Jr.'s podcast this week. If, if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend you, you go do that. It was a great interview learning about Mike Joy's career. But the first thing they talked about was the disqualification. And Mike Joy said, listen, I don't, I don't care how insignificant you think it was. The rules are, are black and white. There, there's yeah. no gray area anymore in a lot of these rules. It's black and white. And you need to be on the right side of that rule. If you're not, you know what the penalty is. And he, he was in the wrong. He got the penalty. Like I said, at the end of the day, that that's what it is for me. Yeah. Also, people are very upset that a level two, level one penalty with the with the driver points docked and stuff like that. They feel as if the Hamlin and and uh, Bush should have gotten those. 
But I think that people are forgetting that they got points as if they didn't show up for the fucking weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, they lost. I mean, Kyle Bush, Kyle Bush lost his stage win mm-hmm. that comes with playoff points. Um, they each got they each got like two points for the weekend versus the forty and like uh or yeah. the thirty eight. They they basically they finished got. last. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But uh but, but then see, I would I would argue at this point wouldn't have done anything. The yeah. 30 driver points, even if they docked Kyle Bush a hundred points, they said he'd still be 20 points ahead of his brother, who is the last person with a win in the playoff contention right now. Yeah. Well, it's like and and you, you touched on Mike. You talked about Michael McDowell. Um, All right. uh I would argue he honestly got a worse penalty because his crew chief has now suspended oh, for four for four weeks. And like Hamlin came out and argued, he's like, well. His points, uh, you know, I would I would trade places with that in a heartbeat because you know what I got affected my playoff standings a lot more. It's like okay, it only affected your playoff standings because you technically didn't get a win. Now, like you already have a win, you're locked into the playoffs. Right. Like you're fine. This guy is fighting to get into the fucking playoffs right now, and now he just lost his crew chief for four weeks. He's a hundred points further back than what he was before. Yeah. You can't tell me that hurts your playoff chances. You're in the playoffs. You're fine. Yeah. He is trying to make it there. Now, granted, he can still win and get in. Like I said, we have we have a road course this week. I think they go to Richmond, and then they go to another road course, and then we have Daytona still. Michigan. So there's – yeah, in Michigan. So essentially, I, I feel like there's three wild card races. We don't know how Michigan's going to run this year with the new package and stuff. That's basically going to turn into like a, like a Daytona-type race with you know, how wide open they run around there. Um, but – just when he made that comment, I was like, How? "Like you're kind of a little tone deaf because this guy is fighting to, yeah. to make the playoffs. You're you're in safe. Yeah, you lost a couple bonus points for the playoff seedings or whatever, but I I don't know that kind well, of well. I I think it's situational. I think at this moment, yes, it way more affected Michael McDowell, but down the road, this really affected Denny Hamlin because he could have gone. He could go from being like third or fourth in the points." to fifth or sixth, which that's the difference from him making the round of four or the round of eight, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say... That's saying him not getting... Or that's the difference yeah. of him getting into the round of eight uh, Listen, if he if, can get a win in the first two. Yeah. My, my two things for that, so... Going into the... Like, if you're if that much of an issue, go win another fucking race and stop bitching about it. Like, that's that's my first thought. But, like, the, the way that... He, he found that as his last opportunity. That's his best yeah. track. I, I mean, I, I would argue, yeah, it's his best track. But he's going to Richmond. He's usually done well at Richmond. He's got well six wins there. It's his best track. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not saying he's not his best track. I'm just saying he's going to Richmond where he usually runs well at. Uh, Michigan is uh, – there's wild card tracks come up is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Darlington, Richmond. Daytona's coming up. Best, yeah. yeah, Daytona's coming up. He's won the 500 a couple times. Um, but I'm just – so, like, going into the playoffs, like, yeah, it's going to affect the seating for the first round. But going into the next round, the, at that point, I'm pretty sure it's it's not like it's just how many points you had on the first, like through the first round. It just resets. your playoff points uh, travel with you. It, okay. So all of Chase Elliott's wins will travel with him each each stage until the I final hate, four. I, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I fucking hate the goddamn playoffs. So yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. But that's that's why he has his personal. Th- Obviously, I think that Michael McDowell's penalty is worse. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it I, I, yeah, it's, it's later worse in the now, playoffs, it'll yeah. affect him. Okay, um, I see where uh, I, I agree. 
Nick, do you have any more? Trying to fucking speed us along here. How how did your uh, how did your dad make Pokemon? Oh, I I guess he enjoyed it. I I didn't hear no complaints. (laughs) I mean, you put a beer in his hand and give him anything, he's good. I got burnt as shit. I I I believe it. Um, yeah. So I think that last thing on on Pocono for me would be that it's crazy to think that NASCAR had the Cup Series had so much controversy and like hype around it, but the last 20 laps of the Xfinity Series were the best 20 laps ran at the track all weekend. Between the four series that were run there, watching Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs just put the pressure on each other for 24 laps, I think is what it was, mm-hmm. was just insane. And to see um, Ty Gibbs get up underneath Gregson a couple times and then Gregson almost not be like able to get beside him and then just completely clear him in the next corner which is ridiculous. Yeah. No, that yeah, that was a great finish to watch. Um, I mean, like I said, I've, I've seen a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're a cuck that sits on the corner. Um, but <laughs> you walked right into that one, didn't you? I did. Um, but no, yeah, like I said before, I'm I'm a pretty big Greg's fan. I want him to do well. Um, but uh, yeah, I have admittedly not been a big fan of Ty Gibbs so far. I think he's just, I guess, privileged is the word. Or he, that's just how he acts sometimes. Uh, but both of them, they put on a show. Listen, they used each other up, but at the same time, it was pretty clean. Like they they weren't dumping each other, they weren't trying to wreck each other. They were like, "Listen, I'm just going to beat your ass and finish." And and that was that was a really really good finish of the race to see. Do you guys have any more on uh, NASCAR part of racing this weekend? No. George, do you want to give us uh, some info on how the Indy cars did in Iowa this past weekend? Yeah, uh, I'll make it quick because I know Nick's a grumpy old man that wants to go to sleep. Um, but, yeah, so it was a doubleheader IndyCar. Uh, Joseph Newgarden just straight up dominated. They won. Um, he, he dominated that track since uh, he's come up into um, the, I guess, the IndyCar major leagues. Um, day two was a lot of the same story. Uh, Pato Award didn't have much of or much for him. Uh, he had lapped all but five cars at one point. And then all of a sudden, come out of turn four, uh, the back end just snapped on him, and he went right into the wall. And all of a sudden, it was a brand new race. Um, Pato Award goes on the win. Uh, that was really good for his point standings. I think he jumps up to third now, third or fourth. Um, and now this week, they're going to the Indy uh, GP. They're on a doubleheader with NASCAR. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun to see. Hopefully, that gets more eyes on IndyCar this week. Um, I thought it did a pretty good job of that last year. Um, I hope it does an even better job this year. Um, just the scary news about Joseph Newgarden. So after the accident, he was checked. He was cleared. Um, after the race, there was a concert. And I don't know if, if what happened was at the concert or before. Um, I know a lot of the drivers went to the concert afterwards. At some point after the race, Joseph Newgarden just collapsed out of nowhere. Uh, they rushed him back to the infield care center. Uh, they checked him out. They actually airlifted him to the hospital uh, just as precaution. They didn't want to drive him. Uh, it was just easier to fly him. Uh, flew him there. He was held overnight. Everything was fine. Uh, it was reported that he just fainted. Uh, nobody knew what from what. Um, he was, so he was checked uh, Sunday night, released Monday morning. Uh, wasn't sure whether he was going to race this weekend or not. And the press release actually just came out today um, on Thursday saying that, uh, listen, he's good to go. Uh, he's going to run practice tomorrow on Friday. Uh, they're going to 
after practice, going to pull him back into the care center, just double-check him again, make sure he's good to go before they clear him for the full weekend. Uh, Santino Ferrucci is on standby for him if he needs it. Um, they haven't, re- Like I said, they haven't released a lot of details as to what it was. Was it a concussion? Maybe was it heat? Um, you know, things like that. Um, but as of right now, he's doing a lot better, which, which is good to see. Um, I'm not a huge Penske guy, uh, but it's never good when you see a driver just collapse after a race, especially when they were in a hard wreck like that. So hopefully he's good to go. Nick, do you have anything to share about any um, or any thoughts on what just, George said? Yeah, just glad to know that he's all right. Uh, I'm not a big Penske fan either, but, um, you know, George and I together have seen uh, – Especially like since it's Pocono weekend, a pretty bad wreck at Pocono in the Indy car. Um, I've watched a few wrecks together. I texted Slade because in the Xfinity race, Jeb Burton ended up flipping into the front stretch. I was like, holy shit, all three of us now have seen a wild wreck at Pocono. Like, yeah, right. We're, right. we're, yeah. we're, co- we're cursed. For, for... <laughs> but um, just like I said, just glad that he's okay, especially now uh, when I wrote up my notes, it nobody was sure if he was going to race or not, but obviously now we know he is. So it's good to see that he's cleared and hopefully will remain cleared after practice and he can get back in there and continue to uh, have a good season. Yeah, I'd assume that, I mean, I think that it was probably just a a miscalculation with fluids and stuff because they lose so much weight when those yeah. fire suits oh, this yeah. timing gear. Uh, I mean, we heard that Tony Stewart in just in NASCAR would lose anywhere from 8 to 12 pounds a race. Um can't imagine how much the F1 and IndyCar guys are losing in a race. Uh, yeah, just, just Tony Stewart had a few to give every race, though. So, yeah, I mean, he was drinking a half a case of beer before every race. <laughs> yeah, it was all beer weight, especially that one on the dirt. Um, <laughs> yeah, so moving. Oh into... my god, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you I, that? I just I got that. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Moving into George's this favorite is be a part of today. Episode. Um it's like which one on the dirt? And I went, oh my god, I forgot he killed that guy. <laughs> yeah, so moving into uh George's favorite part for sure this week would be the ACC preview. Oh, I thought we were talking about uh, Ryan Reynolds' ass. Sorry. <laughs> was that uh, in this episode? I thought that was next week. So before we get into the preview, well, it's part of the preview, but it was just a crazy thing that I saw on ESPN. Um, it said that former Virginia Tech linebacker Izzy Atute uh, is going to play for Iowa Community College after being found not guilty of murder. He uh, was released from Virginia Tech when he was accused of murder. Uh, he was accused of murder after being catfished by a dude, and on the second date of meeting this person, he beat his face after getting a blowjob when he turned the light on his phone and saw that he was getting a blowjob from a guy. Hold Wait, on. Hold on. <laughs> First of all, the second date. Second yes. date. Second of all. How did you make the first one? The second time that they met up, both times were What at, makes you uh, suddenly turn on your flashlight? <laughs> Felt that five what makes shadow. You, what makes you, like, allow someone to give you a BJ without, like, you not 100% sure a, if you're a dude or not. They, they on Tinder. Yeah, you didn't get they a good enough look at this man to know. <laughs> uh oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> turned off the Wi Fi. He froze with his hand like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Dude, that is, uh, that is absolutely. Your job's <laughs> trying to fly down a truck. 
Oh, man. That is... Oh. I, <laughs> I, I just want to know how I got to the second date. Like, that's my biggest thing. Like, if it would have happened on the first date... You know what? Next week, I, the entire... I still have questions, but... The college football preview, we're all researching how in the hell this went down. And next episode is just us breaking this down because I have a yeah, lot of so, questions. So the uh, jury actually found him not guilty and said that when he turned his flashlight on and saw the guy, that the guy went to reach for between the bed and the bed frame. And so out of self-defense, he started beating the dude. He beat the guy a couple of times and then left, and that's when the guy was found dead. Um, but when the police investigated, there was a knife in the side of the bed. Hmm. So they claimed that it was self-defense, and that's how he's getting off. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he got <laughs> <Get> off. off. <laughs> Yeah, so can you imagine going to your next school and be like, so. <laughs> I can't imagine any of this. I just want to make that clear. Not a single step of this. And this was I on ESPN. Like, yeah. yeah, this was on the ESPN app. The first thing that popped up when I brought up the ACC preview for this year. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the craziest part is, I mean, that Iowa Community College is going to get an absolute killer on defense. Uh, so I mean, that's, <laughs> that's going to be a, a tough defense to, to, to game plan against. Uh, yeah. You'd think that George would have slipped on this. Uh, yeah, he yeah. wanted that one. God. All right. Other than that, <laughs> so, I, uh, I don't uh, even know if we can continue with the ACC. Yeah. Game. How do you follow that up? So uh, the first part of the ACC preview for this week, we're going to talk about Clemson. Clemson has been under fire. They were third in their uh, division of the conference last year. And um, just just a poor year if you think about how Clemson has been the last what, six, seven years, maybe longer? Mm-hmm. How long do you think you guys have had? I would, I would argue back, like, ten years. Like, I mean, yeah. I think back to, like, they they were never, like, a, a national championship contender a lot of those years, but, I mean, they were still making Orange Bowls and, and so stuff I th- like that. I think that the stat was that for the past six or seven years, this past season was the first season under ten wins for them. Yeah. Uh, Gambo Sweeney has said that he believes in his program and the way that he's put it together. He has been very well known to not go out for resources, for coaches, for uh, transfer portal people. Um, he has promoted the QB coach to his offensive coordinator. He promoted one of the defensive specialist coaches to defensive coordinator because they lost both of their coaches there this past season. Um, do you guys think that Clemson will be back this year? I'll start with you, Nick. Uh, yeah, so when I was looking at this and when I went to answer this question, I assumed that be back um, would mean like college, you know, football playoffs, that kind of be back. Because um, they, they ended the season after their bowl game 10 and 3, I guess. I believe. Should be right. Because you just said they didn't hit 10 wins last season, but when I looked it up, it said they went 10 and 3. Yeah, I'm pretty so, sure they won the bowl game because of 10. Okay, yeah, so that would make sense then. I just wanted to clear that up before I got started. Um, but that was uh, no thanks to their offense. Every single one of those wins you could praise the defense for. I mean, the offense showed flashes, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, but Venables is now gone to Oklahoma, um, and everybody knows his genius was the drive behind that defense. Now, you know, obviously, like Slade just talked about, defensive coordinator worked under him. What? <laughs> The defense coordinator was a genius behind the defense. That's and he worked it. underneath well, You know, yeah, but like. <laughs> Sounds like that Tinder date in Virginia Tech. 
um, you know, and we've seen coaches that work under different coordinators that come up and, and show that they've been paying attention. Um, I don't know if we're going to see that this year. You know, obviously, it'll take a little bit to figure that out. But um, I don't think the defense is going to have a huge drop off. My issue here is um, the offense, obviously. Uh, you got DJU. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name. I, no, I got this because I, I practiced so hard for those videos I made last I wanna, year. DJ Uyunglele. I'm going to just <laughs> accept the fact that you said it right and call it a day. Um, he threw for 10 interceptions last year with only nine touchdowns. Obviously not a good season. Uh, if he stumbles this season, their backup is freshman Cade. I'm assuming that's Klubnik, maybe Klubnik. I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, I do think that they could put together another 10-win season, but I don't think that we're going to see them, you know, in the college football playoffs or anything like that. So uh, I'm going to say no, they're not back yet. Again, they might still pop out another 10-win season after a bowl win, but I don't think they're back. George, what are your thoughts on Clemson? Are they back this year? Do you think they get to the playoffs or a 10-win or a 10-win season minus like without counting the bowl game? What do you think? I think a, a 10-win season is definitely attainable for them. They have, at least to start the season, a much easier road this year. They don't play Georgia week one. Um, but uh, much like Nick said, I, I think their defense will be fine. Their biggest issue is, is DJ in, in, their, in their quarterback slot. Um, you know, he was horrible to watch last year. Like that dead guy, he just blew. Um, but I, <laughs> um, Here you go, I, Nick. Here's your TikToks. <laughs> I, whole entire episode. I think the offense overall will definitely improve a little bit. Um, and they might even win the ACC. I think as a whole this year, the ACC is going to be struggle to get a team in the playoff. Um, and, and granted, their, their offensive coordinator is coming into the second year. They have four offensive linemen returning. Um, just like I said, when, you're, when quarterback is the biggest question mark on your team, we talked about this last week um, with a lot of the teams. Wide receivers, I feel like, are, are – among the easiest positions on the offense to replace um, O-line and quarterback are probably the hardest. And um, it, it, we got so used to seeing great names come through um, Clemson. You know, you had Watson, uh, Lawrence, um, Boyd, like big names like that. And then all of a sudden, and letter 2020, uh, you saw DJ come up. He played the Boston College game and the Notre Dame game, and he actually looked pretty good. Like, hopes were high for him last year. There was even Heisman talk going into the season. All of a sudden, he starts playing, and he just shits the bed. Um, I, I don't know if, if he just couldn't get comfortable, if it was a new OC or what it was. Um, so, I mean, we'll find out really quick this year. Was it the OC or was it, you know, this guy's just not as, as good as we thought he was? Um, my, my only problem is, so, like, we give him three games. They might win those three games, but – and you know, that was going to be like, Hey, listen, you know, we think, uh, you know, um, which Cade, um, is, is a better option at, at QB and they switch mid season. He might be a better option, but that almost never goes well. Um, you know, outside of a few rare exceptions. So I think overall that might hinder the team. Um, but I, until DJ proves me otherwise, I just don't have faith in him as a QB. Um, so, like I said, I think 10 wins, obtainable. I think winning the ACC, definitely attainable this year. I think the ACC is wide open. I mean, we're going to talk about it more here as, as we get through this preview. Um, but I, I don't see Clemson being a playoff team, at least this year. 
one quote that I'll always remember, I heard it a few years back, is if you have two QBs on your team, you have no QBs on your team. So, like, if you go into a season and you don't know for sure if you can trust your starting quarterback, you might as well not have a designated starting quarterback. Yeah. It's a good statement. I think it could change now that the transfer portal is so easily accessible. Um, But we'll have to see. It's definitely a good statement for the current way that football is. Um, I I think that Gambo came out and said that they're sticking with DJ George. What's his last name? (laughs) Uyunglele. Um. Yeah, so Dambo said that's their guy. Right, hold uh, on. Pause, pause. What's the coach's name? Debo Sweeney. Dambo Sweeney. <laughs> you said it Debo three different <laughs> Dabo Sweeney. Dabo. Dabo. <laughs> you said it like three different ways. Sorry. The first like, time I was like, did he? And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I had the second <laughs> time and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure he definitely did that time. Yeah, so Dabo Sweeney. Sweeney yeah, there you go. said that uh, DJ is their guy. Um, yeah. Not quite sure about that. Like you guys, like, said. like I said, he has shown great potential. It's just, like I said, was it the OC last year? Like a new OC? Was it just the fact that he just can't live up to that pressure nonstop? I don't know. But yeah, go ahead. But here's what I also think. I think that the QB coach going to be the offensive coordinator for this season is going to be a big help because if the QB coach that has been helping out Debo or uh, yeah DJ, um is now there, I, I would assume that that's, that's going to help them kind of push the offense around the QB instead of getting the QB to play that, that style of offense, you know? Wait, who do you um, have as their, their offensive coordinator this year? I have Brandon Streetman. He was their OC last year. I think I he, might, he might still be the QB coach, but I'm, I'm, maybe I read the wrong source. But Yeah, I don't know. I saw that Tony something or another left and that the new guy was the QB coach. But that he, he might have he might have been there last year also. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever the case is. Uh I think that Clemson still has a great season. I think that they win at least ten games. Um, with like you guys had said, the ACC is pretty wide open this year. Um, I have Clemson making the ACC championship this year. Whether they win or not, I don't know. But um yeah, so the next the next team to talk about, which is not in the ACC, but basically is because that's the teams that they play all the time would be Notre Dame. Um, do you guys think that Notre Dame is a playoff contender this year? What are your thoughts, George? Fucking absolutely. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I think they definitely have the potential to be uh, just again, like Clemson uh, quarterback is their biggest question mark. Uh, they had Ian book for the last few years. Um, I don't know why I can't think of the guy's name from last year. Uh, Jack Tone. Uh, Jack Tone, that's what it was. Um, so Tommy Reese, as the OC, has had stability there his first three years. This year, he's he's going to have to bring in somebody new. Uh, it's not quite 100% clear who that's going to be yet. Uh, they are, they're also losing their top rusher in, in uh, Kyron Williams, uh, who left for the NFL. Um, but at least at the running back position, they do have a little bit of solace with Chris Tyree, who we saw a decent amount of last year. Uh, so it's not like they have like a true freshman running back that they're just throwing out there. Um, uh, but you can expect him to take over the heavy workload this year. Uh, they also have some decent names at wideout, but no like big names. Like I mean, when I think of Notre Dame, I think of Michael Floyd, Golden Tate, like a, a big name with a big body. You know that that can go get the big catch or you know whatever they need uh, whenever they need it. Um, I mean, somebody might emerge uh, out of that wide receiver court. Excuse me. Uh, just as of right now, they don't have anybody. Um, my biggest thing for them is that it scares me. 
Um, they play Ohio State week one. Uh, now their defense has definitely improved, um, especially through the transfer transfer portal and, and recruiting. Their biggest issue for years has been cornerback. Um, Brian Kelly just never seemed to be able to bring a good quarterback in. They got some guys this year that have some speed, and so that should help them. Um, like I said, we know Ohio State, and we're going to talk about this next week, uh, Ohio State stacked at wide receiver. Uh, so week one, we're going to see what this Notre Dame defense is like. Uh, but I, like I said, their biggest question mark is on the offensive side and definitely the quarterback position. Um, but they have a really tough schedule in my mind. Um, like I said, Ohio State week one on the road. Uh, they have road games at UNC. Uh, they play BYU on the road. It's technically in Vegas. It'll basically be a home game for them. Uh, they also play at Syracuse, who I think is going to be a sneaky good team this year, um, and uh, USC on the road. Uh, they luckily get Stanford, Clemson, and Boston College at home, so that kind of helps them. Uh, as of right now, I have them going 10-2 and two, uh, and definitely making, you know, obviously a bowl game. Um, but for, uh, for this point, uh, I have them going 10-2 and two and missing the playoffs. The only way I see them getting into the playoffs um, is if they – well, first of all, going undefeated would help, especially beating Ohio State. But if they lose Ohio State in close and then run the table the rest of the way and Ohio State runs the table, then you could say, hey, we lost the number one or two team by like three or four points. They can make an argument then, hey, we deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, but as of right now, I have them missing the playoffs at 10 and 2. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame this season? Are they a uh, playoff contender, bowl contender, maybe nothing? What are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely think they're going to make a bowl game. Um, I think contender is a good word when you talk about the playoffs. I personally don't have them making the playoffs. I kind of have them in that 10-2. Ten, ten Maybe they drop another game, 10-3 um, and three, or 9-3. and three. Um, Like George said, QB competition with no real starter decided yet. Now, their O-line does have multiple potential future first-round picks. Promising running back room, like George said, uh, as, a, as it sits right now, the top-rated tight end in the 2023 draft. Um, no proven wide receiver, like George said. Uh, defensive side of the ball, third, third defensive coordinator in three years. Um, but they do have playmakers uh, and game changers at every level of that defense. Um, studded linebacker group. The talent is there in the secondary, kind of like George had talked about a little bit. But they lack some depth, um, which obviously, you know, one or even both your corners go down. That's huge. So, like George said, I think the key is win or lose against Ohio State. I think you have to go into that game thinking, okay, yes, we want to win this game, but if we lose this game week one against Ohio State, it's not that big of a deal. Um, now, obviously, if Ohio State drops a game somewhere down the line, it could get a little tight for them, even if they're, they only have one loss. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think that they quite have enough uh, to make that final four. Uh, now, again, with two losses, depending on how the rest of the – you know, country fares out by the end of the season. We very well could see a two-loss playoff team, but it hasn't really been the case um, as of late. So I think they're going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think that slightly um, a little less. I, I would go 9-3, and kind of like what Nick was saying is a possibility. Um, I think that that's what they're going to end up with this season. I think that if they were in a conference, they would – have a chance with that record to depend on which side of the conference who they lost to of uh, winning the conference championship but not being in a conference I think the best they're going to get is a bowl game um I think also just week one 
in um, Ohio State is just a rough way to start the season for them, um, especially with how Georgia mentioned that they're they got hard, hard, hard spots to fill at um cornerback position. I think that Brian Day is just gonna bomb it. He's just gonna have them throw the ball, four yard passes all day long. Uh, like I, I, so I will say this: it's definitely Ryan Day has shown a tendency, and like I said, we're gonna talk about this a lot more in depth next week with the the Big Ten preview. Ryan Day has shown a, a, a tendency for his teams to have a slow start. We saw that last year with Oregon. Oregon walked in there, and a lot of people thought Oregon didn't have a shot going into to, uh, the horseshoe. Um, but Ryan Day's team was sluggish, especially in the first half, and it, it just bit him in bit him in the ass. Um, so again, it's not impossible. It's just with with the question marks, it's makes it a little bit more unlikely, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, it's going to be different this season. I think that they could win against Notre Dame by twenty. 20 points. Um, I think just the comments Ryan Day mentioned after signing his contract extension like two weeks ago in saying that um, 10 and 2 seasons might be good for schools, other schools, but 10 and 2 seasons are not good at the at the University of Ohio State. Um, yeah, at the Ohio State University. Um, I think that just shows his confidence and his, his ability to really believe in his team that he's going to put out there this season. Uh, Wake Forest had a really great season last year. I think they ended up 11 and 3, maybe 12 and 3 after a bowl game. Um, uh, it was 11 and 3. So, they ended 11 and 3. Um, do you guys <gasps> see them having another great season? Nick, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um I'm going to keep this relative uh when obviously they had a great season last year. When I think Wake Forest I don't necessarily think of them, you know, in double digit wins, especially, you know, at least in my time growing up, I've seen a lot of seasons where they're, you know, five, six, seven wins. So um, we're talking double digit wins here. I definitely think that they can do it again. They return their star QB in Sam Hartman. Um, he's paired with an All-American candidate wide receiver in A.T. Perry. Uh, they got the new defensive coordinator from Purdue, Brad Lambert, um, who obviously, you know, we seen Purdue's defense last year. Uh, they have a relatively helpful schedule um, this season, and I think that we should definitely see them in that double-digit uh, win column again. What about you, George? Uh, uh, much along the lines of Nick, um, I have them going 10-2 and two in the regular season, and I actually have them as my uh, pick to win the ACC uh, Atlantic Division um, over top of Clemson. They get Clemson at home, which is huge. You don't want to go into Death Valley um, you know, with a, a – conference or division you know deciding game on the line granted it's kind of early in the season it's september 24th uh, i guess about midway you don't want to say early um but like nick said they have a very generous generous acc schedule uh and especially in you know preseason uh, or excuse not preseason uh pre-conference play uh they play at virginia military institute week one like they they have i don't want to say an easy schedule um uh, because they definitely have tough games in there um especially with uh, getting UNC at home. Again, that helps a lot. Um, but when – and I honestly thought last year Sam Hartman deserved a little bit of Heisman hype behind him. He didn't get it. And granted, throughout the last three games he played, he really fell apart. Um, but when he's back, like Nick said, they get their, their big wide receiver back. They get a bunch of guys back from injury. Uh, they did lose their star running back. But, again, they didn't rank in top 50 in rushing last year. And nationally, they ranked – 
uh, 11th nationally overall in offense and 12th in passing. Um, so when you get your big part of your offense back, that that's huge. Um, your defense really struggled last year, especially with giving up big plays and they lost all their linebackers, but they get the new DC in, um, you know, especially coming from the big 10, they, they, you can expect that defense to be a little bit more hard nosed. So if that defense could even improve slightly. Um, this is definitely a team that could easily win 10 games again. And like I said, that's why I'm picking them to, to win the Atlantic. Yeah, so so I agree. I think that they could definitely win 10 games. I think that they will end up with the same record as Clemson. I think Clemson just wins the head-to-head, and that's what puts them into the um, ACC championship, or Clemson into the ACC championship for me. Um, I think, just to keep it short, yeah, I think that they 10-3 and three, um, is very obtainable for them. Uh, Heisman talk. Do you guys think that there is anyone in the ACC that you believe is poised to be involved in the Heisman talk this year? George. Uh, yes, and I just said his name, Sam Hartman. Uh, aside from it, when he struggled last year, especially against UNC, NC State, and Pitt down the line, like I just said, he looked really, really good at times. The first three quarters of that UNC game, uh, I remember watching that, and I went, okay, this guy deserves some Heisman hype. Fourth quarter, he kind of fell apart there a little bit. Uh, but he threw uh, for 4,228 yards last year, 39 TDs and 14 interceptions. Uh, and I think he's going to prove even more. He's shown steady progression over his first four years there. Uh, and I think that can, continues again. Uh, he kind of knows the expectations for him this year going in. Um, and I think he, he'll settle into that offense a little bit more and be a little bit more prepared. And like I said, overall improved. And I think he absolutely deserves uh, some, some Heisman recognition if he can improve upon his play from last year. What about you, Nick? Yeah, so um, I'm going to – I hadn't done it the previous – I believe it's been going on for two seasons now, and it's currently the third season of it, and the first two seasons did not end well. Um, but there's been a lot of preseason hype with Miami, and while I don't necessarily think the team itself um, is going to be crazy, I think that if there's one person that's going to stick out enough to be in the Heisman conversation at the end of the year, I think it's going to be Tyler Van Dyke, the QB from Miami. Um, he went 5-2 and two with the Canes after taking over midseason last year. He's got new head coach in Mario Cristobal, uh, which should help him succeed a little more. Uh, he has a very strong offensive line in front of him. His only need is finding a, a, his wide receiver one, um, which you know George had talked about a little earlier. Replacing wide receivers is, is one of the easier things to do in college football. I think that you know, he'll be able to find that wide receiver one and hopefully get some chemistry with a wide receiver two, help spread the ball around. Um, I don't necessarily think, like, he's not one of my favorites, uh, but I had to pick one, and I think that he's poised to have a great year this year. Um, so he's who I went with. Um, but again, you know, that wide, finding his wide receiver is the big question mark here. If he can do that, I think he has the talent to, at the very least, be in the conversation come the end of the year. Yeah, so I I think that both of them are, are very good options. I don't think that either of them are sitting at the awards ceremony for Heisman at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, instead I would say Sean Clifford. But... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, thought, anyway. I thought George was turning his laptop off there. Yeah. Um, my hopes about Sean Clifford is that it's one of those rare occurrences George was talking about, and the backup QB comes in and plays better. <laughs> 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 um, so Wait for the big red bitch, that's what I call him. Yeah. yeah. So, so moving into who do you guys believe is going to be 
sitting in the ACC championship this year, and and who do you think is going to win? Um, Nick. Uh, yeah. So, hold on, you threw me off guard there. In my notes, I had a question in between this one and the last one. Uh, Slade likes to keep you on your toes. Yeah, apparently. Oh, um, oh, well, one of these teams would end up being the answer to the next team, anyway, so I'll ask that next. Sorry. Yeah, well, possibly. Possibly. Don't know that for sure. But anyway, uh, I'm going hot take here. Uh, Nobody's not making the ACC championship and then making the playoffs. I mean, if you got like nine and three, maybe no. ten. Answer and two, the fucking but... question, man. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You could w- win the ACC championship and not make maybe the, the SEC, not the ACC. Well, well, no. Anyway. What Slade was saying is you can't win the ACC, or yeah, you can't win the ACC championship, and or you can't not win the, the ACC championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't yeah. not oh, win okay. the ACC championship and not go to the playoffs. Okay, sorry, I, I missed. Sorry, I got you. I'm with you now. Uh, so anyway, hot take: NC State. Um, Ooh, they man. finished. They finished last year nine and three, seven and zero at home, which I thought was pretty impressive. I mean, it's always good to have a good home record. But they return almost their entire defense, which ranked 15th in points per drive allowed, three out of five of their starting linemen, one of the top QBs in the ACC. And overall, I thought this was pretty crazy. 82% of their team's production from last year is returning, which ranks eighth nationally. Uh, so obviously, I think that's a good position for them to be in, especially because it's rather quietly because you talk about Clemson, um, you know, you can talk about UNC. There's a couple other teams in here that you can talk about. And I think NC State, while they're getting some recognition uh, before the season starts, I think they're in a good position. They don't have a lot of pressure on them, and they have all the tools that they need to succeed. I think they have a great chance. And if you think about last year, last year was the season of the underdogs in the ACC. I don't think that this year has any reason to be any different. So, Wait, who, who did you have, NC State, and who? He just said uh, NC State. He didn't. He didn't listen to the assignment. Uh, uh, who 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 would be the team from the coastal side that you would have? I'm assuming maybe Miami, since you had talked about their quarterback being a Heisman candidate. Hold on, let me look at how was the question worded because I'm 99 positive it said who will win the conference or something. conference winner. Atlantic it says conference winner, winner and, and then it says Atlantic. And you did the first Atlantic. Oh, you picked sorry. NC I didn't, State. I didn't. I didn't. Let me. I got. You're look saying at NC State best Clemson and Wake Forest. We'll move back to you, George. Who do you uh, have winning the Atlantic and who do you have winning the uh, Coastal of the ACC? Uh, I have Wake Forest winning the Coastal actually, uh, and I I do this a lot. I always I pick a team that had a really good year the year before. And I'm like, all right, they're gonna do it again this year. And they're gonna win the conference. Um, and so I apologize to Wake Forest in advance for jinxing them. Um, but I'm picking them to win the Atlantic. And for the Coastal, I'm picking Miami. Um, I, we're going to talk about here in a minute. They are my most – I have them picked as my most improved team, even though they only finished second in their division last year. I, how, I don't know. Uh, that's just how batshit crazy the ACC was last year. Um, but I, I see them improving a lot. Um Pitt, the winner of that division last year, I think is going to fall off a lot. Uh, therefore, that division's wide open. There are definitely a lot of teams in there that could win it, but I, I have Miami coming out of there. Um, and then overall, uh, I'm going to go with Wake Forest uh, just because last year Mario Cristobal choked in our conference championship game, so why not do it again? There you go. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with Miami all now right. that I've, I've seen it in front of my eyes. We're all going the same. So... I also picked Miami. I think that they're going to be going up against Clemson, like I've mentioned before. I think that Clemson and Wake Forest end the season with the same record, but I think Clemson gets the head-to-head, puts them into the championship game. 
Um, I, I I see Miami winning this uh, strictly because I just think that I've heard a lot about Mario Cristobal just from George alone, and now ESPN pick him up. Uh, I think that he's all business, dude. He went there. One of the first changes is announced. They're taking away the turnover chain. Um, they're done with all the sideline like antics, basically. I mean, I think that Miami was one of the first to start something on on the sidelines there. Um, I mean, it was getting pretty ridiculous. They had like thrones and all kinds of shit on the sidelines at some point throughout the last two years. But yeah, so I think that they're gonna really be the uh, big surprising team this year, um, especially with the quarterback, like you had mentioned, Nick. Um, so yeah, uh, I do not see either of these teams though making the playoffs. I just think between the SEC, Ohio State, and um, just just Ohio State and the three SEC teams, you just throw a dart at the top three <laughs> as to which ones are going to be there. It's just crazy. And I think it's going to be hard um, for Miami and for Clemson to get out with no losses and mm-hmm. be the ACC champion, which I think is what's going to be necessary for either of those teams to make it into the playoff. Um, George, what's your thoughts on the playoff? You have Wake winning the uh, ACC, do you feel that that's enough to get them into the uh, playoff? No, I don't. Because, like I said earlier, they're going 10 and 2. Uh, I think, like you said, between the SEC, um, the, the Big Ten with Ohio State, if Michigan's good, if Michigan State can continue to be good, I, like I said, we'll talk about that more next week. Uh, there's definitely a Big Ten team getting in this year. And then, honestly, I have a Big 12 team getting in too, uh, whether it be Baylor, Oklahoma State, uh, maybe even Oklahoma, who knows. Um, sure as fuck won't be Texas, but, um, yeah, I, I, unless somebody can like have a really surprising season and run the table, uh, and if that were to happen, I have three candidates. Uh, I have NC state wake forest and Clemson as being my three teams. I would pick that even have like a remote chance of running the table and getting in. Um, other than that, I see every ACC team coming into conference championship week with two losses and no two loss team is going to get in unless something absolutely batshit crazy happens this year. Yeah. Um, I think if there's a year that could happen, at least from what I've looked at of the college football landscape so far, like this could be the year, but I still like that's long shot. Yeah. Nick, what are your thoughts? You have uh, NC state and Miami. Who do you, do you think one of those teams has a chance at making the playoffs? I don't. Um, I'm right there along with you guys. I, you know, I'm thinking nine and three, ten and two is what we're looking at here going into the conference championship game. And like we said, that's just you know slim chance that that's gonna that's gonna do it. Yeah, I, I think that the main reason I have Clemson making the ACC championship is just because I think that they're able. Did you guys say they play Notre Dame? Yeah, they play. At yeah, Notre Dame. so I, I have them getting a win against Notre Dame, which at that point is two losses for Notre Dame on the season already, which is another reason why I don't think that Notre Dame is a playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that neither team is, is going to go undefeated. So there's there's no real point of – or no real thought for them to get into the playoffs. Um, moving into the most improved, George, you had already mentioned yours, but if you want to elaborate on it, go for it. Yeah, uh, like I said, I have Miami this year. Um, 
Mario knows how to win. He just loses really stupid fucking games, which is what always hurt Oregon. Uh, like I said, last year they beat Ohio State, and then they turned around and lost to Stanford. Granted, it was on some bullshit calls. Uh, and then they got throttled by Utah twice uh, because he refused to make any adjustments. Um, now, granted, they do have George a really tough... live streaming for one of those. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> granted, they do have a really tough schedule this year. Uh, they play at Texas A&M, at Clemson, and at Virginia Tech. Um, but I think overall they improve on their seven and five record. At the very worst, I think they're walking into the ACC championship game at nine and three. Uh, definitely ten and two is, is on the table. Uh, that third loss I have is that Virginia Tech game. Um, listen, playing at Lane Stadium at night, I think Virginia Tech this year alone is going to be much improved. I honestly almost had them as my most improved team this year. Uh, just because they were a little bit lower in the standings, they had a worse record. Uh, but I think Miami breaking through, improving upon a seven to five record and making a, a, a conference championship game is why I put them as my most improved. Um, but again, I uh, UNC and Virginia Tech were both really tough choices for me to leave off of this. Um, but um, so yeah, at the very least, I have Miami going nine and three into the conference championship game. Nick, what are your thoughts on your most improved team this season? Uh, yeah, so I went with uh, Florida State. They had a mediocre five and seven season last year. They returned fifteen starters, including their quarterback Jordan Davis and all ACC safety Jamie Robinson. Uh, they got one of the top transfer targets in Jared Burst. I believe he's a pass rusher. Um, I, I think that's going to set them up for bowl eligibility come the end of the season. And while the record might only you know show one, two, maybe three more wins, um, I, I think that. Overall, as a team, the improvement is going to look a whole lot more than, you know, one, two, three wins. Yeah, so um, I, I kind of chuckled because George kind of mentioned this earlier, but um, my, my most improved team is Syracuse this season. I think they went five and seven last year. I think that just them being able to get over 500 this season, maybe a game or two over, would be a really great accomplishment for them. I always like being able to watch a Friday night game or even a Thursday game when they're playing every once in a while. and. It's in the uh, like the dome or whatever the hell they play in. Yeah, the Carrier Dome, sponsored yeah, just, by an air conditioning company that's not air conditioned. Yeah, I was just, I always laughed at that. That shit always made me crack up when they were like, because it was whenever they're playing, and like that's the first thing the announcers bring up, like, oh, we're playing in the Carrier Dome, you know, the Carrier AC company, and this dome is an air conditioned. I was like, what kind of bullshit is that? But that was like in high school playing at York Tech, a school like that literally has technical in its name. I'll never forget. I I coached there a couple years ago when I when I coached at Fairfield, and they had like the concrete like pilings like poured, but they look they were grown over by weeds. It looked like they were poured like five years ago. I was like, oh my god, guys, just put the fucking lights in. Kennedale got lights. How how can you not figure this out? Ridiculous. Like you got students that literally are learning about electricity. Like have them wire the damn lights. Something I don't. Whatever. Must not be that great of school. Um. If I can beat them in wrestling, they're definitely fucking not that good. Yeah, looking looking uh, ahead at our uh, our, our opposite of most improved. Sorry, I just had a stroke. Our most declined <laughs> team this season. Um, Nick, who do you think? Sir, do it underneath your desk. In the ACC, are you gonna beat the shit out of him? Yeah. <laughs> Who's your most declined team? Yeah, so um, I feel like this one's pretty obvious. I thought about choosing another one just because of how obvious this felt, uh, but I went with Pitt. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew at least two of us were going to pick Pitt. Yeah, like, you go from winning winning the conference to losing a Heisman finalist in, in your quarterback picket to the NFL. Uh, the Belich, Belich, 
Nikoff. There we go. I I literally practiced it. While you were mind. doing that, your video stuttered a little also, oh, so it God. made it nice. It made it 10 times worse. Yeah, if you would have um, just kept going, you would have been fine. Oh, well, whatever. I don't care. I'll stutter again. Uh, in Jordan Addison to the U.S. or to USC. God damn. And uh, offensive coordinator Mark Wibble to Nebraska. Um, their future looks about like their past has looked the past couple years, um, which is kind of sad to say because even though I hate Pitt, uh, the Kenny Pickett electricity was fun to watch, but very short-lived. Uh, George, who's your most declined team in the ACC this year? Uh, it's, it's Pitt for pretty much the exact same reasons. Uh, I still have them making a bowl this year, um, but they have Tennessee – they beat last year, but granted, this is a much improved Tennessee team from that game last year. Um, they have West Virginia, uh, and then they have road games at UNC, Miami, Louisville, um, but they at least get Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech at home. Uh, like I said, I have them making bowls, uh, whether it be six and six or seven and five, um, but definitely well with outside the top two in their division. Yeah, so instead of agreeing with you guys, I'm just going to say that my most declined team for this season is going to be Virginia Tech. Because anytime you lose a murderer from your team, you your team's just got to look. But they, they got a, a Penn State declined. guy now. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't equate to murder. <laughs> Murder's and rapist. Yeah. And not, if, you're, sorry, if, if one of your best linebackers not, is getting blowjobs from a dude, what does that say about your school? No, I'm not. No, nope. unless I that's what he. I was don't know if I can say what I was just. I was just. I. I take. It wasn't. It wasn't rapists. It was. It was child predators. But, yeah. which to me they're one and the same. Uh, but yeah. Um. Before we move into our top five, what do you guys? Any more thoughts on the ACC preview? No. George, did you have five games that you wanted to yes. talk about? Yes. Uh, yeah. I guess. So I guess why don't you give us those games, and me and Nick will pick which game we are most excited to watch after yeah. you choose your most exciting one. Uh, so for the top five ACC games to watch this year, I also included uh, Notre Dame in this as well as we have so far throughout the episode. Uh, number five, Miami at Virginia Tech. Um, I think this is going to be the game that decides the Coastal Division. Um, I went to a game at Virginia Tech last year. That atmosphere is absolutely insane. I'm <laughs> hoping to make it back this year. Um, and so I have that as number five. Number four, I have UNC at Miami. I think runner-up to decide uh, the Coastal Division. This game was a barn burner last year. I was actually at this game at UNC. Um, it was a great game. Uh, number three, I have Clemson at Wake Forest. Like I said, I think these are going to be the two teams that decide the Atlantic Division. Uh, September 24th, they meet at Wake Forest. Uh, my number two game, I have Clemson at Notre Dame. Uh, the last time these guys played, it was for the ACC championship, the one off year Notre Dame was in it. Uh, but they also played earlier that year with a uh, outstanding game with Notre Dame's late comeback uh, to win that. And number one, I have Notre Dame at Ohio State. Uh, anytime you get two blue blood teams to meet each other, especially week one, uh, it's, it's going to be a great game. I don't look, I, I hope to God that's not a noon kickoff because uh, I, I hate big noon kickoff. It's absolutely stupid. I don't but, think it will be. Um, you can thank Fox for that. Yeah. Listen, so like before we go into our actual top five, or you guys discuss, this is how I think college football scheduling should work. Um, your noon kickoffs should be just run-of-the-mill games, whatever. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Okay. on ABC. All right, perfect. Um, 
but that should just be like your run-of-the-mill games, like games nobody really cares about. Your 330 games should be your top 25 matchups. Uh, and then your night games should be, you know, top 10. Um, if Is a conference on the line or is it a rivalry game? Like, I absolutely hate, like, the, the one of the greatest games from my childhood was Michigan at Ohio State uh, when they were ranked, I think it was two and three. Um, uh, Chad Henney, um, Mario Manningham, I forget the running back's name, something Hart uh, at Michigan, and then on the Ohio State side, I can't think of it. Oh, my God, I'm staring at the dude in the face. Um, but it, it was like one of the most classic games. It was a night game. And I don't think they played at night since. And I, I don't know, I hate that. Um, but I, I just hate college football scheduling sometimes. Stupid. Troy Smith. That's was yeah, that was it. Troy Smith. There we go. I was staring at the back of his jersey. Dude's running all over Michigan. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't think of it. So what, what games are you guys most excited for from that top five? Nick, which, what, are, what are you going for? Yeah, so the obvious one is Notre Dame, Ohio State, but I'm not going to go with that one. Um, I'm going UNC. It was UNC at Miami, right? Yeah, yes. last year was. Yeah, so UNC at Miami. Um, it seems like no matter how, like one of those teams could be at the top of the conference, the other one could be at the bottom of the conference, and when they play, it turns into an absolute beautiful game to watch um, just about every year. So I'm excited to see that. I'm sure they're going to put on a hell of a game. Um, Obviously, as of right now, Miami's looking like if they reach their potential, the better team. But UNC always has the ability to play above um, their expectations. Uh, and like I said, those two teams get together on the same field. They leave it all out there. I think that's going to be great to watch. Yeah, so, so I think that Clemson-Notre Dame would be my uh... – big game to watch just because I had already said that I think that that game is going to decide whether Clemson gets into the ACC championship or not. I also think that that decides whether um, whether they, they stand a chance with their season as a playoff contender, which I don't think they are, or like that, that would be them um, preceding my thoughts. Uh, to touch on what you had said, George, we gotta stop. We gotta stop him. Um, I, the, big noon, the big noon game pisses me off so bad. So at the end of the season, Michigan and Ohio State are the big noon game also, mm -hmm. which I think they were last year. But they, they they are every year. They play at noon yeah. every year. Yeah, it's just annoying. it's because it goes to Fox. Just like how Listen, Ohio State to be was fair, to be the whiteout for Penn State this year, yeah. and it, Fox got it, and it's like, well, I'm sure it's going to be played at fucking twelve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I absolutely love getting my day started by hearing Gus Johnson scream his fucking ass off, like. I would run through a brick wall for that man. Like, hit, I I absolutely love Gus Johnson. I would much rather him though call an eight, like an eight, seven thirty, eight o'clock game yeah. between Ohio State, and Michigan than a noon game. Like, I can sure. say, however, though, like as a football fan, like just sitting on the outside looking in, watching the games, it is nice to not have to wait till seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock to watch a good game. Yeah. But like some of these games, like I said, like Penn State and Ohio State at Penn State. Every single person in this world who gives any shred of a shit about either of those two teams is thinking whiteout. And Fox says, nah, I think we're going to make it at, at noon. Like, well, because I, I, I don't know if you remember. So it was a couple years ago, um, Penn State and Michigan were playing, and that was supposed to be the whiteout game. And for some stupid fucking reason, Penn State scheduled a concert for the same night. So they moved the football game up to noon. And so it was like still the whiteout. 
And I remember watching the game on TV, and it's like for the first half, nobody showed up because they're all getting shit faced at the tailgate, and then you know everybody yeah. showed up. And but yeah, yeah. So they they've tried the whiteout game the other day. They obviously realized it didn't work. So I mean, I applaud them for saying, "All right, fuck you, Fox. We're not doing it at noon." Yeah, um, I understand being like, "All right, you know, we'll make it Minnesota," but it, like. It's- like you said, fuck you, Fox. Which I mean, we're gonna talk about this. I still think it's it's gonna be a great game. I think Minnesota is definitely in the I running think, to be a, a Big Ten. Uh, I just championship. think there's so much more emotion surrounding whether it's Michigan or Ohio State. Oh, absolutely. I'm in the yeah. season. Ohio State fit perfectly for that game. Um, obviously, we'll get to talk about it more once we get to Big Ten. But that I think that that is the biggest disappointment I've seen on Penn State's schedule because Penn State could literally be four and eight on the season. And somehow they'll keep it close for the whiteout game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just the the credit or the video that they play every year of Michigan walking out onto the field in the first oh, quarter, yeah. and their quarterback not being able to get the ball snapped because nobody can fucking hear him. Dude, Mo Bamba will do Mo that Bamba, to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do um, that to, you. to be fair. Just, Ridiculous. Yeah, nobody got showed up and John O'Connor would have shit his pants in that game. Yeah. Because John O'Connor yeah, yeah. was trash. Well, yeah. So, um, moving into our next part, which would be our top five. George, we'll start with you. Your odd <laughs> kill streak. Oh, why do, why do I have to go first? Um, number five, uh, I'm going with the cruise missile. Um, listen, you, you get a decent amount of kills with it. You usually pretty good. I want to say in, in the last Modern Warfare, you needed like five kills to get it. Um, uh, yeah. Number yeah. four, uh, I am going to go with the uh, turret. Um, especially when I think of that, I always think back to uh, Modern Warfare 2, the original one. Um, you just set that shit down anywhere and you rack up like 30 extra kills. Um, number three, uh, I am going to go with UAV. Pretty simple, but I mean, for shitty players like me, it always, it always helped me out. Uh, number two, I'm going with Juggernaut. Uh, whenever, whenever you got that care package, uh, you got to run around blaring Metallica and just dropping bodies. It was, it was always cool. Uh, number one, and I, 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 I lied. Slash number two, I would also put dogs. I want to say it was Black Ops two. That you, you got the kill streak where you, you had the dogs. Yeah. Um, and number one, uh, AC-130. Uh, like I said, I, I think back to the Modern Warfare 2 days. AC-130, Bob! And you're just, yeah. especially if you're on the enemy team, you just start shitting yourself immediately, yeah. trying to hide. Uh, just, doof, doof, doof. Yeah, and then bodies are <laughs> flying all around. Uh, shit, I mean, that, was, that was awesome. Nick, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to lie. Cruise Missile threw me through a little loop because I wasn't originally planning on thinking, but the more I started thinking about, like, it's efficient as long as there's more than like so like i play a lot of search so like if you're using the cruise missile i don't have to but if you're using it if there's at least three people alive you're pretty much guaranteed to kill um if you're playing like team deathmatch you're almost guaranteed a double kill um so yeah i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna switch it up i'm throwing cruise missile five because i think that was a good idea um thank you yeah number four i'm gonna have to go ahead and say um Give me – I'm going to go with the precision airstrike and or cluster strike, depending on which game you're playing. Because um, it's a good way to – like, if you have an open area, you know, you can lay that shit there, clear that area out, or force people to move. 
Um, number three, I like UAV at number three because UAV is very efficient. Obviously, it's good to know where people are at, um, but that's pretty much all it does. It just tells you where the fuck they are, and if they have ghosts, it's worthless, um, but still efficient. I'm leaving it at three. Um, number two, I'm going to go with the... Um, uh, what the hell do they call it in the last one? I forget what it's called in the most re recent Modern Warfare, but the uh, the Harrier, I think VTOL, was called VTOL, jet, VTOL, yeah, yeah. yeah. VTOL, uh, for number two. Um, you know, you just set that shit, it bombs it, and then watch. Oh my god, play. every time that got thrown out on fucking shipment, I, I it took oh, everything I had yeah. not to throw my controller through my TV. Oh my god, that shit pissed yeah. me off so bad. And number one, obviously, I thought about putting the nuke in here, but I, like that's for a very handful group of players and i've never gotten one so i i couldn't even put it on the list yeah uh, but, number like one. that's that's try hard tommy's and like yeah i i always hated people that got it and use it anyway because like the only time you should use that is like if you're in a match and your team is losing and you don't want to yeah. lose like other than that like the match is over like five minutes early it's like, why like just yeah. let us finish so i hate one, when people don't let me finish facts facts number one i gotta go with the ac 130 or chopper gunner depending on what game you're playing um it's just it's stupid unless you're in a map that has a shit ton of buildings and it's kind of a pain in the ass but nonetheless yeah so i think for number five for me i'm gonna go with uh half and half i'm gonna do the uh nuke and juggernaut because although i'm sure that they do well i would need a <laughs> air package to get that <laughs> um, I had to listen to you guys just to know some of the names of these things because I had never gotten that many kills to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, number four, I would go with the VTOL. Just based on what you guys explained, uh, it seems like a pretty cool kill streak. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have your I have... UAV personal three, radar. Just wait, just wait. Yeah. Number three, uh, Chopper Gunner. I've gotten that. Don't know how to fucking fly the thing, so I just... It just went until the screen got gray, and then I went back to my person, and I died. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, so uh, Cruise Missile, I have gotten that. I like that because I am the person that, uh, if you're playing Search and Destroy, I just go for the one person and kill them. And I'm always on the wrong side of the map where, like, you could have gotten, like, two or three kills with it, but I just go for the one random person sitting back in, like, their base area. Um, number two... I would definitely have to say, oh, care package. We'll go care package. And then number one, UAV. <laughs> so he doesn't have enough time finding the people, let, let alone killing them. So. <laughs> All righty. So there we go. There's our top five uh, for this week with Call of Duty Killstreaks. Um, had a lot of fun recording this episode. Next week, we are back again with the Big Ten preview uh there's gonna be a lot of heat in there between two penn state vans and somebody that hates most of the big 10 schools uh so that's gonna be a lot of fun make sure you check that out you go check out our group of five uh preview from last week uh we look forward to seeing you guys next week and uh have a great weekend